0: This letter from Paul to the church at Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Today our text will be verses 1 through 12. This past week was uh, back to school for our young people in our county. Uh, And some of them are excited about that, some not so much. But uh, in the weeks leading up to uh, back to school, we had to do back to school shopping. And whether or not you got your list from the internet or go to Walmart and they'd have them Uh, there for the different schools and the class and so forth. But basically, these are checklists that tell you everything that you need to be successful in your studies this year. And it'd be hard to be successful in your studies if you were missing some of these essential ingredients that were found on your checklist. Wouldn't it be nice when it comes to successful Christian leadership, if we had some sort of checklist to look at to see what we would need to be successful in leading according to God. Well, Paul provides what might be considered such a checklist today in defending his ministry to the church there in Thessalonica, defending his leadership skills to that church in the midst of perhaps criticism. And through what Paul is writing to this church, I think that we ought to think along the lines of leadership never to settle for anything less than legitimate Christ-like leadership. When it comes to following leaders or when it comes to being a leader, we should never settle for anything less than legitimate Christ-like leadership. I'd like to invite you to stand this morning, if you are able to, in reverence for the reading of God's Holy Word. will be reading from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting at verse 1. Paul writes these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. But after we had already suffered and been mistreated in Philippi, as you know, we had the boldness in our God to speak to you, the gospel of God amidst much opposition. For our exhortation does not come from error or impurity or by way of deceit. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who examines our hearts. We never came with flattering speech, as you know, nor with a pretext of greed. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, even though as apostles of Christ, we might have asserted our authority. But we proved to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. Having so fond an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives. Because you had become very dear to us. For you recall, brethren, our labor and hardship, how working night and day so as not to be a burden to any of you, we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. You were witnesses, and so is God, how devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behaved toward you believers. Just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each of you as a father would his own children, so that, you would walk, walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into His own kingdom and glory. Let's pray together. Father, we have come with open hearts today, ready to receive a message from You. We are coming expecting, God, for You to speak because this is Your Word. We revere it as such. and Father, we believe that it has the power to save the lost from the judgment to come. We believe it has the power to transform us into the image of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ. Father, we look to Him as the ultimate model and example of leadership and I pray, God, that we would settle for nothing less in our lives than to follow and to lead those uh, that we are called to lead in a Christ-like manner. Father, speak through me, I pray. It is by your grace alone and for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, When we think about leadership, the reality is all of us have some sort of leadership that we are called upon to exert. Whether you are a pastor in a church or a teacher in a Sunday school class, or whether in your job, in your career, you have a supervisory role, or maybe as a parent or a grandparent, an aunt or an uncle, or or just a mentor to a young person. As we talked about all the young people that God is bringing to our church, you are an example. And as an example, you are a leader. And so this is a message. We think about legitimate Christ-like leadership. This is a message that is practical for every single one of us. As we think about who we are to follow and think about how we are to lead. Legitimate Christian leadership. In the book of Acts, chapter 17, we read about, and we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, the founding of this specific church there in Thessalonica. Paul and Timothy and Silas, how they were there, and they preached the gospel, and many people got saved and got, and got converted to Christ. And, and then there was some persecution. There was an uproar. People that were opposed to the gospel caused a riot. And through this riot, they came looking for Paul, couldn't find him, so they found one of his associates named Jason. They drug him out, put him on trial, and basically they released him after he gave to them a pledge. That pledge, perhaps, was that there would be no more uh, outreach or there would be no more trouble from Paul and his associates. Perhaps the, the pledge was that Paul and his associates would have to leave town, which they did after this riot and because Paul had left after a measure of success perhaps there were some critics from the outside that said yeah look at your man Paul he comes in here and he preaches all these things and then when the going gets tough he bolts yeah he comes in he uses all of his persuasive words and he's trying to manipulate you that's the kind of man you all are following So it is perhaps this criticism and this word coming back to Paul that in this letter to this church he loves so much, he seeks to defend his style of leadership and his methods of leadership. And so we have this defense before us today. And through this, we have, I believe, a checklist that we could consider for legitimate leadership, legitimate Christ-like spiritual leadership. What is necessary to lead in such a manner well the first thing we are to check for is resiliency check for resiliency in other words a leader that does not cave in and quit when things do not go as planned verse 1 Paul says for you yourselves know brethren he says you know it's not something that you heard word of mouth something that you read somewhere but he says no you know because you were there you experience this we have this shared experience together therefore you know and by the way through the first 12 verses the word know the word knowing or remembering comes up over and over again it's a dominant theme in this idea of Paul's defense he says, you know personally that our coming to you was not in vain it was for no reason that we came there was dramatic change there was Paul said in chapter 1 there was power when we were there preaching to you it wasn't for no reason it wasn't empty we did not come in vain he says in verse 2 but after we had already suffered and been mistreated in Philippi as you know and we read the story of that in Acts 16 right before they come to Thessalonica they're in Philippi where they are beaten and arrested falsely they're in that city Paul says, after enduring all of that, you know we had the boldness in our God to speak to you the gospel of God amidst much opposition. Paul is saying, we had a lot of trouble at Philippi when we preached. We got beaten, we got arrested, put in the stocks. He says, and you know that when we left there, we came straight to you. And even though there was opposition there in Thessalonica also, you know we preached to you the same gospel we preached To the Philippians even though things did not work out the way we had planned we still fulfilled our mission and our mandate to share the good news of Jesus resiliency even though things got hard and tough Paul did not change his message or his model the gospel of God Paul says and then because it is God's gospel Paul says he was supernaturally emboldened he said we had the boldness in our God to speak to you the gospel of God Paul says I had courage even though there was opposition even though there was some, some adversity Paul had courage where did that courage come from? did he just have to suck it up and, and, and draw upon his own strength? no he said we, had, we were emboldened in God boldness in our God to speak to you the gospel of God because it is God's message we speak it with boldness you know Halloween's coming up here in a couple of months and Halloween means there's haunted houses that people go to and maybe you like to go through those, maybe not but in my experience in going through the haunted houses, nobody ever wants to be the very first person to lead <laughs> do we? it's scary leading out in, in, in something where you know that down the road there's going to be some obstacles there's going to be some, some, some scariness and there's going to be some individuals that are going to be jumping out and, and nobody ever wants to be out front leading in that setting but you know that's true in, in all of life a leader is someone who is out front a leader is someone who faces some scary situations and a lot of times when you're leading things hit you first before they hit those you are leading And here is Paul saying a legitimate leader in Christ is one who is resilient. And so we check for that. When things do not go as the leader plans, do they quit? Or like Paul did after suffering in Philippi, go on to the next stop with the same gospel message and method. Check for resiliency. Secondly, check for accountability. Accountability. A Christian leader is one who is a steward and responsible for something valuable. They have been given something of worth saying, Take care of this for me. Verse 3 and 4, Paul says, For our exhortation does not come from error or impurity or by way of deceit. Paul says, When we, when we preached to you, when we, when we exhorted and challenged you, he said, It didn't come from error. We weren't deceived. We were preaching to you something that was true, it wasn't error. He says, nor was it from impurity. We weren't deceiving you in the process either. He says, or by way of deceit. But, verse 4, just as we have been approved by God. How does one be approved by God? They get approved by God from testing. God tests us for resiliency and faithfulness. And Paul says, We have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. And there is that idea of stewardship, something that's valuable, something that's of worth. God says, This I'm giving to you, Paul, this is a treasure. Even though you are a jar of clay, I'm going to put this treasure in you, and I want you to guard it. Paul says, We have been entrusted with the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news. The gospel is that God loves you even though you are a sinner, God loves you and wants a relationship with you. The bad news is your sin, your rebellion against God has, has severed that relationship. And the only hope you have of that relationship being restored is by God initiating the restoration process. None of us will ever come to God on our own unless God comes to us first and God has done that in Christ. Jesus came and died in your place so that you might be forgiven. Through trusting in Him, you might be born again. You might have a fresh start. You might have forgiveness and hope and joy and peace. A relationship with God. That's the gospel. Paul says God gave us that message and because it's His gospel, we can't change it. We can't alter it. We can't tweak it a little bit. No, it is the gospel. It is what it is. It was the same gospel Paul preached to the Thessalonians. It's the same gospel I preach to you. It's the gospel of God. And he says, we have been entrusted with it, and so we speak. Present tense. He said, we speak, and we're going to keep on speaking the gospel because we are accountable to God. We are responsible. God gave us this message and said, take it, share it. Take it, live it, take it, share it. And Paul said, that's what we're going to do. We can't change that. We are accountable to someone higher than us. A true leader understands that they lead only because they have been given that leadership from God. No matter who you are, no matter how many people you lead or how long you lead, you are accountable to God for how you lead. Paul says we do this not as pleasing men we do this not for, for your applause but we do it for God who examines our hearts on the outside you might fool people on the inside you're not going to fool God he examines your hearts And so understand as a leader you are accountable to God I've seen a sign the other day on a church billboard that says uh, uh, I'd rather be biblically correct than politically correct I agree with that I agree with you. Who cares what men has to say? If it's God's gospel, I'm going to preach God's gospel. They've got a problem with that. They don't have a problem with me. They've got a problem with God. And so a leader, a Christian leader, is accountable. We are held responsible by God who says, lead and preach according to this. And therefore, that is what we do. Not as pleasing men. But we are accountable to God. So check for that. As you follow and as you lead. Thirdly, check for authenticity. Is this someone who is genuinely concerned for God and His mission? Or is this someone who is really out for their own best interests? You've got to check for authenticity. How authentic is this leader? Well, Paul says in verse 5 For we never came with flattering speech. As you know, he says, I don't care what the opposition and the critics are saying about me, you all know. You all know how I spoke to you, not with flattery to try to manipulate you with a pretext for greed. God is witness. Paul says, you know and God knows. When I came to you, I wasn't blowing smoke to try to get something out of you or from you. Verse 6, nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others. Even though, as apostles of Christ, we might have asserted our authority. So, we could have come in and said, We are apostles, you must do as we say. Paul says, Even though we might have had that right, we didn't exercise that. Why? Because we were there for your best interest, not ours. He says, We are genuine. A true biblical spiritual leader is someone who is authentic. And they're not there to fleece somebody to get something out of them. They are there to give something and impart something to someone else. Authenticity. The real deal. When I was a kid, I remember Spider-Man came to Rose's department store. And that was a big deal. Everybody was talking about Spider-Man's going to come. And so, like many other kids my age, and, and this was back when Rose's was where uh, where Peebles is now, in that shop, it wasn't where the movie theater. It was way back. I was, it was probably late seventies, early eighties. Uh, so I was a young man at that time, and uh, and so they were saying Spider Man was coming. So I was so excited. I was envisioning in my mind, okay, I'm going to go to Roses, and and Spider Man's going to come swinging in, you know, with his webs. Or maybe he's going to crawl in on the ceiling and, and kind, of, kind of drop down, you know, upside down from the ceiling. It's going to be so cool. And so I had my hopes up for Spider-Man's entrance. And then when Spider-Man came in, there was a big crowd, crowd of people and kids around this desk. And Spider-Man comes walking in. And I'm like, why is he walking? Why isn't he swinging or crawling on the walls? And he's walking in and he's carrying a, a, a mug of coffee, which is kind of bizarre because how are you going to drink coffee through a mask unless he lifts his mask? And then they would know it's Peter Parker, you know, so he's carrying his coffee cup and he comes in and all these kids were crowding around and I remember him saying, hey kids, back away from the desk. And he kind of said it in a tone where I was like, man, that was kind of rude. Spider-Man, wait a minute, Spider-Man wouldn't talk that way to young people and he wouldn't just walk in here, who is, this isn't Spider-Man, come on. You know, this, he's not authentic. You know, that probably wasn't my vocabulary at the time but that was what I was thinking. You know, this is, a rip, this is not Spider-Man. Because he did not have the characteristics of Spider-Man. And Paul says, as an authentic Christian leader, you know, look at the way we behave and look at the way we speak and look at our motives, our message and our motives. They will share with you our authenticity or not. So check for that. Number four, check for intimacy. A heartfelt compassion for God's people and those you lead. A spiritual leader will be an intimate leader. Verse 7, Paul says, We didn't flex our authority with you to manipulate you, verse 7, but we proved. Again, there's the idea of seeing and knowledge and experience. We proved to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. You don't get much more compassionate than that, do you? A mother caring for her own children Paul says that's how we thought of you as we led you to Christ it's like as if you were our own children and we wanted to take care of you and the affection we felt for you verse 8 having so fond an affection for you so much so we were well pleased not only to impart to you the gospel of God not only did we did we give you the gospel, but our own lives. Paul said, we invested in you. We didn't just come in and tell you this good news, but, but we came in and, and invested our lives. We gave our whole lives over to you. Because, verse 8 says, you had become very dear to us. So Paul loved these people. He really wanted what was best for these people. So much so, he was willing. You know, there... There is one common trait amongst affectionate mothers, servanthood. They are willing to do without so that their children can have. And I think a legitimate Christian leader will do the same thing. They would be willing to impart not only the message, but they would live in such a way, they would humble themselves in such a way, they would have servant leadership. They would say, I care more about your interests than I do my own. I will put you ahead of myself. If for no other reason, then you are very dear to me. That's a mark, that is a check for legitimate leadership, intimacy. Number five, check for integrity. A legitimate leader will practice what they preach, and this will become clearly evident to other people as you observe their life. Verse 9 and following, Paul says, For you recall, brethren, you remember, go back in the recesses of your mind and go over the time I spent there with you. You will recall, brethren, our labor and hardship, how working night and day so as not to be a burden to any of you. We proclaim to you the gospel of God. And again, here is a a leader with integrity, one who is willing to work and labor so as not to be a burden. Verse 10, you are witnesses and so is God. He says, you all seen this and so does God. He said, how devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behaved toward you believers. Paul said, it was obvious to you and to God that we practiced what we preached that we were authentic. We were the real deal. This wasn't just a sham. This wasn't a a scam. We weren't there trying to get money out of you or, or try to uh, uh, line our pockets and make ourselves comfortable. No, we worked so hard that we would not be a burden to you. Paul said we could have exercised our authority, and but no, we decided we wanted to labor And we behaved as a Christian should behave. Because a leader is one who says, don't just do as I say. A true leader will say, do as I do. Paul says, you saw how uprightly, devoutly we walked amongst you. We were setting an example for you because we wanted you to follow in our steps. So Paul says, integrity is is a mark of legitimate leadership. And finally, authority. Authority. Paul says, We are gentle like a mother, but yet when the time was right and when it is necessary, we can be firm. Firm as a father should be. Verse 11, it says, Just as you know, again, from experience, you were there. You know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children. A father wants to, to d- use whatever tools necessary. Sometimes you've got to exhort and sometimes you've got to push. Sometimes you've got to pull. Sometimes you've got to encourage and you've got to walk beside them. As a father, you've got to do whatever you've got to do to keep your child growing and moving forward. Moving towards what? Paul says in verse 12, so that you would walk, not sit there and stagnate so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into His own kingdom and glory Paul says God wants you to grow God has a plan for you and His will for you is to grow in Christlikeness." and Paul says as a leader we came and we challenged you and we pushed you we encouraged you we motivated you we walked with you so that your walk would match the worthiness of the God who called you A good father knows his children and knows how to lead his children and knows when they need to be challenged, when they need to be encouraged, when they need to grow and when they need to improve and will do it in the right way, the loving way because you love them too much to see them not grow in their life and in their faith. So check for Now this week on the news I I heard about a preacher in South America who claims to be Jesus. I don't know if you all saw this or not. But this uh, South American preacher claims that in the early 1980s Jesus appeared to him and then Jesus spiritually entered into his body so that now he is Jesus. And it showed him amongst the crowds of his followers and he was walking and in this uh, designer suit with his uh, sunglasses on, and, and they were all cheering and and uh, shouting, and uh, it showed the, the car he drives, this convertible sports car, and this mansion he lives in. And they asked him about this. The reporter did, and he says, "God doesn't want you poor. You know, God wants everything that's so good for you, and 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 you should not settle for anything less than the best." And people keep throwing their money at this guy, and this and and, and this this this. Uh, this church if you want to call it this cult continues to grow and when we look at this man's life and when I saw that story I thought about this checklist and this man violates every single one of these checks that's on our list resiliency his people protest and they pick it at other churches that sometimes turns violent they asked him about it and he said well sometimes sometimes they they get uh, very excited about it defending me although he himself was completely separate from all the violence accountability this man was not a steward of the gospel he preaches there's no such thing as sin no wonder he's growing his church is, is growing you tell people hey, there's no such thing as sin do what you want it's not the gospel authenticity not using flattery to manipulate people to line your pockets it's exactly what he's doing intimacy a heartfelt compassion for his people as a mother nursing her own children we don't see that not a servant leader looking out for their interest putting their interests above his own no he's driving the sports car living in the mansion while many of them struggle to make ends meet no intimacy there integrity man practicing what he preaches not living out the gospel by any means and Paul says we labored And we worked and we were not to be a burden to you. Authority, like a good father exhorting, encouraging his children to grow. We don't see that. This man violates all the checklists, but you know, I know a leader who personifies this checklist. I know a leader who is resilient above all others. I know one who is accountable. To the Heavenly Father, one who was authentic and one who was intimate and cares so much so that he would even die for those he leads, one who was integrity, one who had integrity, who practiced what he preached, never violated the law of God, one who exercised authority and called men to himself. That leader, of course, is Jesus that false Jesus in South America violates this checklist, but the Jesus of the Bible personifies this list. So with that in mind, what kind of leaders are we ought to follow? What kind of leaders ought we to be as we lead in our homes, in the workplace, in the church, wherever you lead? What kind of leader should you be? You should be the leader that never settles for anything less than legitimate Christ-like leadership. As you lead others, lead like Christ. And as you follow others, make sure you're following those who desire to grow and become more like Christ. You know, if we want to lead for the Lord, you need to lean on the Lord to lead for the Lord you can't lead the way that Christ wants you to lead unless you first lean upon Him to mention we are all works in progress we all have room to improve we all have growth to be attained so therefore as you lead for the Lord you must lean upon the Lord and that starts by giving your heart and your life to Christ Jesus, understanding you can't lead anyone without His assistance because you can't live a Christian life without His grace. Therefore, the first step, come to Christ. If you've never done that, today is a day for you to do that. Step two is the desire to grow in Christ-likeness. Is that desire in your life, are you leading those God has placed underneath your charge, are you leading them in the right way, setting the right examples? Or are you manipul- manipulating to get something out of them? Are you looking out for the best interests of others or are you caring only for your own interests? A legitimate leader will follow a leader and that leader is Jesus Christ let's pray together